Good morning, indeed, player profiler nation. I bet you were not expecting to see this face hit the YouTube channel in this time slot, but as you know, it is crossover week here at player profiler today. Player profiler today, I, I have the show on my mind. I'll be hosting with the Podfather tonight at 6 p.m. Central Time live on the Player Profiler YouTube channel, so go check that out. But here at Player Profiler, as you know, I am Matt Babich. I am host of the Dynasty Roundtable podcast, and it is my pleasure to be hosting Wake and Take for you this evening in lieu of Jason Allwine. So today we have a lot of top-breaking news to break down for you, starting with the latest on the RB contract situation Multiple running backs holding out, multiple running backs threatening to hold out of minicamp over contract situations. We're going to break that down for you. And also, with nearly every single NFL team now reported to camp, we have some injuries to break down for you live. And later on in the show, we're going to break down two teams. One, we're going to break down the crumbling dynasty that is the New England Patriots. Is Bill Belichick on the hot seat? What is this team going to look like in 2023? Is it over for them? Are they going to finish last in the division? And we also are going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals who are going to have to pay a lot of stud players here in the coming years. Will they have the money for it? Are we going to see the Cincinnati Bengals take this se- this team to a Super Bowl? All that and more starting right now. All right, everyone, let's clap it up for Saquon Barkley. Yes, yes, yes. Saquon Barkley officially ends his holdout after about two days, three days. Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants have agreed to a one-year contract deal. This is interesting for two factors. Now, on the surface, it's a base $10 million salary, which is fully guaranteed, and a $2 million signing bonus. Now, with incentives, he can clear the franchise tag value and earn a total of $11 million. So, if he hits these incentives, Saquon Barkley can make just a little bit more than what he was going to if he signed the franchise tender. Now, what are these incentives? The incentives in the contract are 1,300 rushing yards, six touchdowns, and 65 receptions. To put that into context for you, Saquon Barkley's 2022 stats were 1,312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, and 57 receptions. So this measly $1 million extra in incentives, he would not have earned last season. That being one of the best seasons of his career. The only time he would have cleared this threshold was in his 2018 rookie season, where he had a whopping 91 receptions. Now, while this seems like the Giants may have pulled the wool over of Saquon's eyes, let's be honest. This is a very quick transition for Saquon to go from, I'm going to hold out, I could potentially hold out the entire season and simply not play, to... I'm going to sign this one-year deal that's barely over the value of the franchise tax. So what does this tell us? A, Saquon knew the entire time 
that he did not have any leverage in this situation. He has to play at least six games this season. The Giants are going to be a team that is going to be competing for the playoffs. So Saquon was going to be on the field on a team that was competing and is good. Now, what this tells me is that the Giants specifically worked on these incentives with him. I don't believe that these were the first incentives that were put on the table. And I do believe that Saquon would not sign a deal unless these incentives were achievable. So last season, Saquon Barkley had a near 18% target share in the Giants offense, which was top five of running backs. He was also top five among running backs in fantasy points per game. Now, if Saquon is going to get an increased workload in the receiving game to hit this 65 receptions, then I am all in on Saquon Barkley's value. If you were able to get him at value based on these alleged holdouts, then congratulations, you got one of the best value windows in fantasy football because this is one of the true last workhorses left. They do not have any running backs of consequence behind him besides Matt Breida and now James Robinson. So this is Saquon's backfield. He signed a deal fully guaranteed. He's going to be out there week in and week out. Can we say the same about Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs was last seen leaving Las Vegas yesterday, and he's vocalized his intent to hold out a minicamp. So we will likely not see Jacobs sign any deal until much closer to week one. Now, let's remember that Jacobs and any other running back or player who decides to hold out must accrue six games to earn a season towards free agency. So essentially, if Jacobs plays five games this season and sits out the others, it doesn't not the same thing if they're in, if they're injured. If he just sits out all but five games, he's right back where he is now. So we know we're going to see Jacobs for at least six seasons, six games. But if the Raiders are in the business of losing, and if you look at this roster and you look at the upcoming draft classes, you know they're in the business of losing. When this team is 3-13 and 13 in Week 16 or on pace to be 3-13 and 13 in Week 16, are we going to see Jacobs, who's likely already taking a beating over the course of the season, are we going to see him in lineups in, in for the fantasy playoffs? I believe it's it's a big question that needs to be examined. This is a situation that's very tough to pour, forecast, nearly impossible to forecast. And I wouldn't put too much weight into it in your fantasy drafts because any player can miss any game due to injury. Your first round draft pick could, God forbid, knock on wood, suffer a torn ACL tomorrow. So while there is looming concerns that Jacob could sit out some portion of this season and potentially be unavailable when fantasy managers need him most, if the value's there, you got to hit the button. We can't let these sorts of things sway our decision-making in fantasy, especially because we just saw what happened with Saquon Barkley. We know these running backs don't have much leverage. So is there any point of letting value go by simply because of holdout fears? It's more likely than not that Jacob signed some sort of one-year fully guaranteed deal similar to Saquon Barkley sooner rather than later. If the Raiders are smart at all, they would realize what the Giants did was a smart move on their part 
to make their running back happy for now and get him to show up to work. So this, we're going to likely see a very similar thing with Josh Jacobs. So we wouldn't worry too much about him. But there's a third running back who's in a different situation as he is still on a rookie deal, and that is J.K. Dobbins. Now we know that Dobbins was placed on the pup list due to his lingering knee injuries and the recovery that stems from that. But J.K. Dobbins has also voiced his concerns over his contract, and he's in a different spot because Jacobs, who led the league in rushing last season, has proven his worth. Saquon Barkley, who was one of the best rookie running backs we've seen in a very long time, he has proved his worth. J.K. Dobbins, while he has been a phenomenal rusher when he's on the field, he's hardly been on the field. Since 2020, he only has 220 carries to his name. And there's a very valid argument that says J.K. Dobbins hasn't really proved his worth yet. Has J.K. Dobbins done enough on the NFL field where he garners the same contract conversations that Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley are in? I say no. But when you look at it through a different lens, J.K. Dobbins is also set to earn only $1.4 million this season, which is 24th among running backs. That is where Dobbins has a little bit more of an argument. That's severely underpaid for his talent level. But again, what are you going to do? These running backs are in such an interesting situation because they have no leverage. There's nothing Dobbins can do that can help his situation because these organizations have smartened up. And we saw with this free agent class how the running back contracts worked that it was very clear that NFL front offices were not placing a premium on this position. In fact, it's one of the most discounted positions in terms of contracts. And with the collective bargaining agreement that was signed in 2020, we are still seven years away from any sort of new deal taking place. Now I tried to do some research. It was a little inconclusive, but to my knowledge, there is no strike or holdout or anything that will garner a new CBA agreement until 2030. And if that's the case, running backs are truly, truly in a pickle. If you want to hear what a salary cap expert has to say on the situation, I recommend you go check out yesterday's Wake and Take where Anand Anduri, our salary cap expert, and co-host of the Decision Point podcast, joined Jason Allwine to discuss all things salary cap and the running back situation. I am not going to be one who's going to claim to be a salary cap aficionado, but what I do know is that it truly seems like we are at a crossroads and there is going to be some sort of history-defining moment with these running backs, whether it is running backs simply do not get paid for the next seven years, and we continue to see players hold out for an entire season if it means preserving their body and a chance at a larger contract, or the running backs find a way to get their worth, whether it's through incentives, whether it's due, whether it's through 
any sort of agreement that does not have to revolve around a new CBA. These are the two avenues. And it's growing more likely that these running backs are, we're just in a new history of football where these running backs are just not going to have that positional premium until we reach a new CBA where a different share of the team's revenue is discussed. The entire salary cap is restructured and, and thus there's a little bit more of an argument to start paying more running backs. There's going to be a different deal where, where running backs are going to have to get a certain dollar amount based on their performance. Like these performance based incentives are, are going to be signed into a collective bargaining agreement because they, they have to be put in place in order for these players to get their fair pay. So it's going to be a very interesting situation to monitor as we continue, as we continue to monitor these holdouts and see what the results of these contracts are and the barometer who we'll talk about later is Jonathan Taylor. He is the benchmark. He is the guy where if he can't get a lucrative second contract, then that is the bell tolling for running backs saying you are not going to be paid what you want to be paid for a very long time. So my hope is, is that these running backs band together and find a way to get some sort of performance-based incentive program installed with their contracts so that they can earn at least a percentage closer to what they deserve to be paid. Now, we'll move on to the injury updates. Brock Purdy is cleared to practice. That is far ahead of schedule. It was originally estimated that his week one status could be in jeopardy. And now with, with training camp essentially just starting, Brock Purdy is now cleared to practice. He's cleared to report. And this essentially solidifies the sophomore as the 49ers starting quarterback for next season. There were some rumors around Sam Darnold. There was obviously the Trey Lance hype at the beginning of the offseason, and now it's clear that Brock Purdy was the biggest screaming value in every fantasy football draft all offseason. He was priced such that he would miss week one and never start another game for the 49ers that season unless someone got hurt. There was a real price baked into that where, with where he was going in drafts, and now if you didn't get Brock Purdy in best ball mania three yet it's too late you can't draft Brock Purdy in BBM three anymore you can try the closed off tournaments slow pups mm -mm. you already got half of that tournament that has Brock Purdy at a lower ADP his ADP is going to continue to rise and he was he was an incredible value in super flex leagues either way so this is going to be it's going to be an interesting talking point for multiple days now because you know the Brock Purdy hive is going to come out in droves now that Purdy is cleared to practice. Look, Purdy was good when he was in the game. That's just, from a fantasy perspective, it was undeniable. 19.6 fantasy points per game in his seven starts. Now, when you look at the advanced metrics, there isn't really anything that jumps out at you. And that's because when you watch the game, you watched him as a quarterback and he looked fine. He didn't look incredible, 
he has the attitude. He has the intangibles. He understands how to read defenses. And more importantly, he understands how to play in a Kyle Shanahan system. And that's what's most important here. Would he succeed if he went out and, and was in 20 of the other 32 situations possible out there in the NFL? Probably not. He probably would have never fired in the league to begin with. But he went into a system where all he has to do is essentially not turn the ball over. If he can keep moving the chains consistently, completing these play-action passes when required, then Brock Purdy was going to be the starter. They never liked Trey Lance. It's inexplicable to me and to you when we saw Trey Lance out there in the limited stint. He looked solid. There was nothing wrong with Trey Lance. He showed the upside that we thought he had. He also showed the rawness that we knew he had coming from coming from his division two program. So, or sorry, FCS program coming from his FCS program, but Brock Purdy all of a sudden gets all this hype just because he was the one who was available and he was winning games. How would history look if Trey Lance never got hurt and the 49ers went to the playoffs Would Trey Lance be the starter. I, I would like to think he would, he didn't show anything to the contrary. And the only reason Purdy played in the first place was because of injury. So this whole situation baffles me. I can't get my head around what is wrong with Trey Lance. They wanted, there's reportedly, they wanted to trade him away. There's some interest with Atlanta. That still might happen. But for all intents and purposes, the 49ers had not much of a reason to our eyes to give up on Trey Lance, but from what they saw in the film room and from what they saw in practice and the team facilities, he wasn't the starting quarterback for that team. So Brock Purdy officially official starting quarterback for the 49ers in week one. This is a good sign for it's a good sign for Brock. This is a good sign for the 49ers continuity going into the season. And this is a good sign for anybody who's taken advantage of that value so far in drafts. Now, I teased him a little bit earlier in the show. We are going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. Surprisingly, placed on the pup list yesterday afternoon. He had ankle surgery earlier in the offseason, but that was six months ago. So he should be ready to go to minicamp. So the question remains, is this truly because of his ankle or is this a a hush-hush, I'm holding out, you say I'm on the pup until we get this figured out. I have no idea. This is going to be an interesting situation to monitor. And he's JT is in the final year of his rookie contract. He is seeking an extension. And reportedly, negotiations have not progressed the way Jonathan Taylor would like them to. And Taylor went on the record saying, quote, just seeing guys fight, you just hope that thing works out for them, end quote. Taylor said, quote, you see why guys request trades. They just want to feel valued by not only their coaches, their teammates, but the organization as well, end quote. So Jonathan Taylor has been very vocal about his displeasure in his current contract situation, and this is why he is the barometer. Jonathan Taylor, like Saquon Barkley, is one of the most exciting RB prospects and NFL talents that this league has seen in quite some time. 
And if he can't get this lucrative second contract, like I said earlier, that is a detrimental sign to running backs. Now, if, J- if Jonathan Taylor can work out an extension, a lucrative extension with the Colts with some guaranteed money, that completely changes things because now there is a precedent set. The, the precedents that are set can be can be huge for contracts after we see what happens with quarterback contracts and how that resets the market all the time. Now, I'm not saying a lucrative deal from JT would all of a sudden fix all the running backs problems and then the next RB contract would be lucrative and the next and the next. But the fact that it's out there, the fact that this big contract exists means to running backs, rookie running backs in particular, that there is something on the other side for them. And that's a huge step forward for getting running backs the pay they deserve. So if Jonathan Taylor can figure out how to obtain that for himself, if they can make that work, then that is going to be a huge pivot point in this RB contract saga. But if not, then we could see things take a turn for the worst for the entire position. A source close to Indianapolis says that it shouldn't be long before Jonathan Taylor returns to camp. So that's incredibly vague. And it, it, so it's unclear when Jonathan Taylor is going to return, but we do know He's not in a position where an extended holdout is really going to do much. So he's going to be there week one. Should he be healthy? So wouldn't worry too much about Jonathan Taylor from a health perspective. Another player who was activated from the pup instead of added to it is Chase Claypool. I know everyone was just very tense, very tense, worried about how Chase Claypool was doing well. His less than a day stint on the pup list has ended. He's removed from the pup. And it's interesting to see where the Chase Claypool saga in Chicago is going to go in year two. Reportedly earlier in the offseason, the Bears were frustrated with him at multiple points in the offseason and in the season beforehand. He was not learning the playbook. He, his attitude wasn't there. He, he didn't have that that go get it mentality that the putting in the work first in last out getting to know your quarterback none of that was done by Chase Claypool at least to the level that the Chicago Bears front office wanted to see so what did they do after spending the 32nd overall pick in the draft to get Chase Claypool they went out and drafted Cincinnati's Tyler Scott Tyler Scott, while not the the same athletic behemoth that Chase Claypool is standing at a, a very large frame and having one of the top speed scores in the NFL, but he is a speedster. And unlike Claypool, Tyler Scott actually showed an ability to run routes and be technical on the field. We're getting into an age in, in the NFL where being technical is way more valuable than just being big, strong, and fast. Everyone's big, strong, and fast nowadays. Grow up. This is why Devonta Smith's weight didn't matter. Devonta Smith wasn't some athletic behemoth that got by at Notre Dame because he can run straight down the field or catch a bubble screen and break one tackle and be free. Devonta Smith was a route-running savant who knew that if he went to the next level at his frame, running the type of route tree that Clay- Chase Claypool's running, he would not have succeeded. And this is what Tyler Scott has. This is why Tyler Scott has an edge on Chase Claypool because Tyler Scott already has route running capability. He came out early from Cincinnati and he was drafted with, with solid draft capital. 
to the Bears. And so Chase Claypool is on the hot seat because Claypool has been less efficient by the season since he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He ranked outside the top 80 in yards per route run last season, despite finishing with over two yards per route run as a rookie. He's finished outside of the top 40 in route win rate in each of the past two seasons. And if he doesn't pick up the playbook soon, he will be sitting behind Tyler Scott on the depth chart. So my two takeaways from the Chase Claypool saga are draft Tyler Scott in dynasty rookie startups. Yours is probably already likely finished. If he is on the waiver wire, go pick him up. If he is a cheap trade for a late, late round rookie pick in the future, go grab him. Tyler Scott is going to be playing snaps for the Bears this season. He fits that mold. He he looks like he has the mindset. He's he's got he's got more skill than Chase Claypool. That's really all I can say. He has more skill than Chase Claypool, and he's gonna if he shows it, it's gonna take off. So I, I am one of the biggest detractors from Chase Claypool. I wasn't in on him on the draft. I'm not in on him now. He's already had three seasons where he hasn't really fired consistently. He hasn't been able to show an expanded route tree. He hasn't shown the ability to produce outside of big plays. And so overall, I'm out on Chase Claypool and in on his competition, Tyler Scott. Wrapping up the injuries, we have an update on CJ Garner-Johnson. After he went down with a knee injury in practice, it was feared that he was going to miss the entirety of the season before it even began. CJ Garner Johnson coming from the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be one of the biggest leaders on this Detroit defense. Not only does he provide a much needed veteran presence, but the experience of getting to a Super Bowl and translating that into the Detroit Lions locker room. Well, the good thing is the MRI revealed no structural damage to his knee. So CJ Garner Johnson is now day to day and should be out there with the Lions as soon as next week. So great news for the Detroit Lions. Great news for our Jack Cavanaugh. Now we are going to talk about my personal favorite team, the New England Patriots, and we're going to talk about the downfall of the empire that we have gotten used to over the years. But we are going to do that after a message from the Podfather. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet 
And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Go get the world famous draft kit. Look, you can call me a homer all you want. But this truly is the best deal you can get on a draft package out there, not only because of the pure content in it, but the fact that so many different fantasy personalities with so many different thought processes and viewpoints and strategies all come together to contribute to this is truly a beautiful thing. I know people can can kind of scoff at the player profiler mindset, and we do kind of have a hive mind with some certain players here and there. You get to go beyond that, and you get to get opinions from some of the best fantasy experts out there. And if 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 you think I am good, I'm in there too. So go check it out. I don't have a promo code, but since I am on crossover week on Wake and Take, use promo code Jason for ten dollars off the all-in package. Better yet, if I sent you. Shoot Jason a DM on Twitter and tell him I sent you, and maybe he'll give me a little kickback. All right, now on to our main topics of today. First, if I didn't get a New England Patriots rant off this offseason, I was going to scream, so I made sure to throw it in this show sheet. The New England Patriots, everyone can feel it. It's been happening for years. What used to be the reveled, Patriot way is now turning into the laughing stock of the league. What once was as powerful as the Roman Empire is now in shambles. The Patriots are now on the cusp of missing the playoffs for the second straight season for the first time in the entire Bill Belichick era. For many franchises, this is simply the standard. But for the New England Patriots, this is disaster. And since Tom Brady left, the writing has been on the wall. It was evident. The Patriots have not had a 1,000-yard receiver since Tom Brady left. The Patriots have had a bottom seven offense in two of the last three seasons. Is this starting to ring a bell? Tom Brady was holding this franchise on his shoulders like he was Atlas. The New England Patriots was his world, and he himself, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, TB12 was holding that world up. And now it's collapsing. And it's been through a series of coaching and front office malpractice that we have gotten here. I hate to say that Bill Belichick is simply too old to be doing this anymore, But we're at the point where we might have to admit that Bill Belichick is simply too old to be doing this anymore. The Patriots' top receiver over the past three seasons was an undrafted free agent in Jacoby Myers. The most recent draft pick 
in the top two rounds was Tyquan Thornton, who was a very questionable draft pick at the time and showed very little last year. Before that, it was in 2019 when the team drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round, a famous bust. So they can't draft receivers. All right, that's fine. We're going to sign them, right? We're going to do everything we can to, to sign the, the biggest and baddest receivers in the free agent class so we can bolster our receiver room, we can make the playoffs, and we can give Mac Jones for the first time in his career an actual set of weapons. So they went out and they signed Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, but that's okay because they restructured Devontae Parker so that they can sign DeAndre Hopkins. That didn't work out either. These soundboards just keep playing. That's the first time I, I I've clearly gotten really into the background music. I've been playing a lot of these these background music. I didn't even know that we had all these. This is my first time in StreamYard, so I'm just having a ball here. But back to the Patriots. Zero of one thousand receivers since Brady left. They're led by an undrafted free agent, Jacoby Myers. Bottom seven offense, two out of the last three seasons. These are things that you would have laughed at if you would have said this in 2018, 2017. And now it's just the standard. Bill Belichick has ran this franchise near to the dirt. You can make an argument that they should be favored to be the last place team in the AFC East. Let's look at the Bills. No question the Bills are the better team. No question the Jets are the better team. And really, the closest competition they have is Miami. And there's a very clear argument to be made there. If Tua Tagovailoa plays an entire season, that the Miami Dolphins are a better team than the New England Patriots as well. So we're looking at a team that was a perennial division leader and is now sitting at the bottom of the barrel just wondering what's left. There were They had a quarterback controversy last year with Mac Jones just inexplicably being benched for Bailey Zappi another undrafted player. And so you're torturing the confidence and the morale of your franchise quarterback because you wanted to bring in Matt Patricia, who is a defensive coach. You wanted to bring him in to run your offense because the Lions had to pay his salary because of a, a, of a title, because of his job title. And you wanted to bring in a special teams coach in Joe Judge because the Giants had to pay his paycheck. So to save a nickel and to save a dime, you hired two of the least qualified and least knowledgeable coaches that I could have thought of to fill that roster. Truthfully, I could have picked two people from Player Profiler, two people from the chat in this show to call the offense and to call the defense, and it probably would have worked out better. Granted, Joe Judge wasn't super heavily involved in, in calling the defense, but the fact that he was even hired and, and had an opinion in the special teams or the defense was was just a laughing stock. And the fact that Patricia was there is a laughing stock. They replaced Matt Patricia with Bill O'Brien, who was sent from the Houston Texans to go back to co- coaching college. But 
The good thing there is that Bill O'Brien has Alabama ties with Mac Jones loosely and has Penn State ties to tight end Mike Gusecki. He recruited him to Penn State. So they apparently have some sort of vision for what this Bill O'Brien offense is going to look like. The defense, as always, is going to be stout, but clearly this roster has deteriorated over the years. We continue to let our number one cornerback go. You can tell I'm slipping into my fandom because now I'm using we. And overall, it's a very scary sight for the New England Patriots. And when we look at the decision-making that's been made year after year after year since the departure of Tom Brady, and now we hear reports that Bill Belichick is on the hot seat, you have to wonder, is this Bill Belichick's final season in New England and in the NFL? Because one storyline I won't buy is that Bill Belichick is going to get fired or and or go to another team. He's going to be forced into retirement. He will retire from the NFL if he really wants to. He'll unretire, but at his age, you got to think it would just be hanging it up. It's tough to admit after everything Bill Belichick has done that this is a possibility, but franchises are in the now. And the New England fan base is only going to hang on to those golden years for so long. The fan base is already tired. And it's already evident that if change isn't made soon, the rest of the AFC East is going to leave them in the dust. So the rubber is meeting the road for the New England Patriots. And if this team does not take a sharp turnaround this year, which I do not expect, then we are going to be talking about what's next for Bill Belichick for many, many months. Now, speaking of what's next, we have a team in the Cincinnati Bengals that have a lot of youth on their team. And we've seen this team turn into a Super Bowl contender. At the very least, right now, they are a perennial AFC title contender. So, what's going to happen when Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and then on the defensive side, Logan Wilson and DJ Reader? What's going to happen when they need new contracts? Owner Mike Brown was quoted saying, quote, we have some good players that need to be fed. That's a challenge. It's mathematical. You get a bag of corn and you have 10 hogs. Well, you're going to put that out to them. That bag's going to be empty and some of them aren't going to get it. So very clear saying that they have a bag to feed and only a certain amount of players to give it to. And very, very upfront saying some players are not going to get it. Now, the easy thing to do is read into that and say, is T. Higgins going to be a Bengal? Are they going to extend T. Higgins? I think this directly applies to some of the older, less valuable players in the team. Tyler Boyd, who is a phenomenal wide receiver and a great third option for this team, is set to have a new contract at the end of this season, set to become a free agent. He is unlikely going to get any sort of lucrative deal from Cincinnati. I'm sure they will try and bring him back, but it will be at a discount. That's why they drafted Charlie Jones. Now, they also drafted Andreas Yoshivas. That could be a potential replacement or depth piece for T. Higgins. There's talks on whether he'll get extended, whether he'll get traded. Monetarily speaking, it makes the most sense for the Cincinnati Bengals to move on from T. Higgins and draft a replacement. Just from a contract perspective, it's way easier to find another T. Higgins 
and pay him a rookie contract than it is to pay T Higgins because T Higgins, when you look at his advanced metrics, there's an argument to be made that T Higgins is only a top 15 receiver because of the volume that he sees in the Cincinnati passing offense. We look at, he was 80th in route win rate in 2022. He was 52nd in 2021. He was 25th in yards per route run last season. That was down from his 10th spot after the, in the season before. And you look at further at the advanced metrics. He's not a separator. He's not a route winner. He's a go up and get it type of guy. And when you start to look at the splits, when Jamar Chase isn't in the picture, it was even obvious when you watched it. T Higgins has a limited route tree and it's tough for him to be fed to that alpha level when Jamar Chase isn't, isn't there. There's a lot of contested targets, a lot of big play shots that need to be converted on. Now, T. Higgins is a phenomenal wide receiver, and I'm sure the Cincinnati Bengals would like to figure out a way to get him extended and keep this top 15 guy around. But when we when we look at what has to happen, right? When we look at all these players that have to get contracts, someone is going to be left out or left with a, a smaller contract than they think. My prediction is that T. Higgins gets an extension that is smaller than he believes, gets an extension offer that is smaller than, than he would like from Cincinnati. I think at the end of the day, he ends up not taking that, and he wants he will go test free agency. I think T. Higgins believes he will be able to get a larger contract somewhere else, and what happens from there, I'm not 100% sure. I think somebody will be willing to give T. Higgins T. Higgins a shot. Now, it might not come to that. It might not come to that because it's tough to tell from right now where they're going to be at the end of the season. But what we do know is that T. Higgins is due for a contract before Joe Burrow and before Jamar Chase. He's due next season. He's a 2024 free agent. If he's a 2024 free agent, the Cincinnati Bengals have the seventh most cap space per SPO track. They have about 49 million in cap space. They got a lot to work with and they have even more cap space in 2025. They have the third most current cap space available in 2025. So again, not a salary cap expert, but what I do know is based on their free agent list, and based on the number of cap dollars that they have available in 2024 and 2025, I think it's incredibly realistic considering the hometown discount that Joe Mixon just, just signed that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins are all around Cincinnati for the next three to five seasons. I think that is actually, that is very well going to happen. I think some of the smaller guys like Tyler Boyd are, are on their way out. They're going to draft their replacement. But this is their core. This, These are their guys. And if they have the money to sign T. Higgins, they're going to sign T. Higgins. We know they're going to sign Jamar Chase. We know they're going to extend Jamar or Joe Burrow. Joe, uh, Justin Herbert just got his contract. Jalen Hurts just got his contract. Joe Burrow's contract is coming and wouldn't be surprised if it came before week one. Because if the Cincinnati Bengals are smart, they have Joe Burrow taken care of before they get to T. Higgins. 
because you have to take care of Joe Burrow and figure out where your team situation is before T Higgins gets signed. So if they get, if it creeps into the season and Joe Burrow's extension has not been signed yet, that makes the T Higgins situation more and more weary because the longer they go without knowing what their true cap number is in 2024 and 2025, the less likely they are to push more chips in on T Higgins, the more likely they're going to be to let him test free agency. So it'll, that will be an interesting situation to monitor. It is likely that we're going to see the Cincinnati Bengals keep this roster and continue to be a Super Bowl contender for years to come. Whew. 45 minutes, multiple topics. This was my first ever solo show. This is the first time I clicked record on this. Uh, one take. I know I had a lot of a lot of mess ups, but I apologize I, that I could not be there live. Unfortunately, I will be at work at nine in the morning, but I will try to hop in on my computer and join y'all live in the comments on the premiere. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Jason for for having me host this show, Player Profiler Crossover Week. You can find me on Twitter at Babich underscore Matt 10 for the audio listeners. That's B-A-B-I-C-H underscore Matt one zero. You can find me on Twitter there. You can find all my tweets. You can find me Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central on the Dynasty Roundtable. Seth Dewald and I co-host the Dynasty Roundtable every Wednesday except for crossover week to this afternoon, this evening. You'll be able to find the Podfather, Theo Greminger, and Jack Cavanaugh on the Dynasty Roundtable. It's going to be incredible. You'll be able to catch me and Seth in the chat and later this evening as well on Player Profiler today. I will be hosting with the Podfather. It is going to be an incredible, incredible day, incredible week, incredible season for the player profiler community. Hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.